0: Jesus
1: is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope in trusting Your ways. We believe that real.
0: Peace comes from the relationship with God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now that's a pastor's heart for you. Grace and peace. G and P. God's the source of our salvation and a quiet conscience. God's
1: result of so great a salvation. Grace and peace. That's Jesus in two simple words. He is the peace that the chaos of this world needs. And he's the grace that has enough strength to cover all your sins. Pastor Daniel will be sharing in his message today about the greeting Paul sent to the Galatian church, beginning as usual with these two realities of Christ, grace and peace. Do you have these in your life? If not, listen closely today to what Pastor Daniel has to tell you. Now, here's Daniel in Galatians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Jesus is greater than people pleasing.
0: Galatia was not a city. Galatia was a territory. It was a region. And the Apostle Paul would pioneer churches all through this region. Now, Galatia is in what we would call modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. Biblical cities like Antioch, like Lystra, and Derbe, and Iconium. These were all in the region Of Galatia. So, this is what they would call a circular letter. It wasn't to one congregation, it was to a series of congregations that the Apostle Paul had pioneered and was caring for. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? See, and the Apostle Paul, he was not only a church planter, but the Apostle Paul was a pastor. And we end up having all these writings by this apostle because he's not there and so he wants to care for the churches. So you find the apostle Paul in the region of Galatia on all three of his missionary journeys. You find it in Acts 13 and 14. You find it in Acts chapter 16. And on his third missionary journey on Acts chapter 18, the apostle Paul is moving through this area of Galatia. And he is writing letters to them because he cares for them. Notice, grace to you and peace, in verse 3, from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul had a shepherd's heart. Back in the day, when you couldn't be somewhere, you would write a letter. Again, today the Apostle Paul would maybe post little selfie videos and call them two-minute messages and post them up on the Internet. Maybe he would send text messages. See, he was using the means of his day to care for the body because he was a pastor. And I love this. He says to them, of course, grace to you and peace. Martin Luther called this grace and peace constitute what Christianity is. Grace, God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Peace, all of the fullness and blessings of God, in all of Paul's letter, that's how he greeted people. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we probably need to resurrect that kind of a greeting so that we remind one another that grace and peace is at the heart of the Christian message. Now, what's beautiful about this is grace is the source of our salvation and peace is the result of our salvation grace is the wellspring from which salvation happens and peace is the fruit of it now i know for some of you a word like salvation they're like well okay that's a deep word that's a biblical word literally the word salvation means to buy back from slavery and for the children of Israel, there's a lot of history to that because they were, in, they were slaves in Egypt and God saved them and delivered them into the promised land. They had been in exile in Babylon and God again delivered them and saved them and brought them back to the promised land. So for the children of Israel, the idea of salvation had very specific historical overtones. But for you and I, for many of us, we don't have the historical overtones But God's salvation for you and for me isn't only from being impoverished or enslaved and being set free. The salvation that God saves us from is actually our obsession with ourselves. God saves you and saves me and divorces us from our self-obsession. So you know this, and so do I, that the kingdom of self is highly fortified. And God knows that when it's all about you, misery comes. You know why? Because if it's all about you, you are not the center of everybody else's life. As I like to say, when you are the center of your own universe, it's quite disconcerting when you realize you're not the center of anybody else's universe. Bam! (laughs) Happy New Year. See, God wants to save us from ourselves. He wants to deliver us from our own narcissism and say, God, my life, what I want isn't as important as who you are and what you want for me. See, and God saves us because of grace. Grace is the source of our salvation. God doesn't save you because you deserve it. God saves you and me and all who would believe Because God is gracious. It's not about what you do or don't do. It's about who he is and what he has done and what he wants to do right now. See, grace is the source. And the fruit of a grace-filled salvation is peace. And peace comes from the relationship with God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now, that's a pastor's heart for you. Grace and peace, G and P. God's the source of our salvation and a quiet conscience. God's result of so great a salvation. Paul was an apostle. He was a pastor and a church planner. Notice in verse 4 who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Fourth, we learned, or third, we learned that Paul is forgiven. Paul, see, I love this because sometimes you read about the Apostle Paul and you're like, man, that guy was a heavyweight. I mean, he must have just been so right on. But you see what he says here. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus and grace and peace from God and Jesus who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. See, the Apostle Paul was a guy just like you and me. He was broken. He made mistakes. The Apostle Paul was not perfect. The only perfect person is Jesus himself. And it's amazing that God used the Apostle Paul in such a powerful way because God forgave Paul of all of his mistakes. Remember I talked about we need to be who Jesus made us to be rather than who we want to be? Listen, many of us right now, you view your life based on all the things that you've done wrong. All the mistakes you've made. Your whole identity is built on all of your failings when your whole identity is meant to be built on God's extraordinary and extravagant forgiveness. See, again, we got to take our eyes off of ourselves and our junk, and we all have a lot of it. You are a junkyard, and so am I. But we take our eyes off our failings, and we put our eyes on the forgiveness of God. And that changes everything. Paul's ministry was birthed out of God's extraordinary forgiveness. I mean, the apostle Paul was plotting to kill Christians. He was there when Stephen was martyred. This dude was not a good guy. But he was forgiven. And he was empowered by the Spirit. So my friend, no matter who you've been, don't miss the fact that there is forgiveness available for you. There's enough power at the cross of Jesus to literally forgive every sin that humanity has ever created. It's that powerful. But that power gets applied to your life when you say yes. When you say, I need forgiveness. And the Apostle Paul, he was a sinner saved by grace. And God used him mightily. I mean, one third of our New Testament was written by him. Paul was forgiven. Also notice this in verse five. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We find that Paul is a worshiper. He's saying, not only am I a apostle and a church planner and a pastor and a forgiven, I'm also a worshiper that God deserves glory forever and ever. Age is without end. God deserves glory. And the Apostle Paul's heart was inclined to praise God, to declare the weightiness of God. Now listen, we live in a grumpy culture. You're grumpy, and so am I. Unfortunately, it's the fruit of an affluent culture where everybody can have the things that they want as quick as they want them. But the problem when your culture is focused on happiness is that Happiness is not based on circumstances. Happiness is really a disposition of the heart. It's like what I do with my kids. When my kids get grumpy and they complain, oh, I don't like my iPhone. I can't believe the iPad. It's, I don't like this great meal that you gave me. What do I do with my kids? I make them make a gratitude list. And then as I make them give me their things that they're grateful to God for, then I start making my gratitude list. Because you know what? I'm just a little kid all grown up. I'm grumpy like the next person. Ah, then overcooked the food. Obadiah ate seconds. I can't believe he'd do something like that. We're grumpy, aren't we? But when we become worshipers, and we make gratitude lists, and we start saying thank you to God for what we do have, even right now, you're here, aren't you? Life is fragile and precious. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. You're here. You're hearing God's word. There's people in the world who don't have access to God's word. You're sitting in a climate-controlled sanctuary Imagine we had church. Imagine Jesus was preaching, walking through Vancouver right now. A lot of us wouldn't be following him. I don't want to get my hair wet. It's too cold. We need to make gratitude lists. We need to become worshipers. We need to have a disposition of thankfulness for what we do have, not focused on what we don't. You know, one of the classic ones, of course, is for single folks. They say, I'm going to be happy when I get married. And now all the married people chuckle. That's what happens. (laughs) Because then it will be great. I'll never forget. And I'll give you a quick side story. I remember when Lynn and I got married, my bride, and God did a great work and a story for another time how God brought us together. We had an arranged marriage by the Lord and we didn't know each other at all. We actually, on the first day that we got married, we spent more time together than in all of our courting. Wouldn't recommend it, but if God does it, God does it. And I'll never forget, she moved from beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to the armpit of New Jersey, where I was planted at church. And I'll never forget, when it was time to go back to work, she's like, I'm going to go grocery shopping. I'm like, oh, nice. Right? And I remember I came home, and I gave her a hug, my wife, and I gave her a kiss, and I swung the fridge open. And there was all this food in there. And I got super excited, because I'd been a bachelor for a long time. So like the condiment sandwich was like a normal part of my diet, you know? As long as you have some bread, you squirt a little mustard and ketchup on there, a little pepper, and you—it's food, man. You're a guy, right? And I—someone's saying it's disgusting. All the bachelors, like, man, that's good eats right there. That's sustaining food. And I remember I got real excited. There's all the—the fridge was colorful. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me: How much did all this cost? And Lynn said, oh, only about $75. And my joy in marriage was crushed. (laughs) Because now you share a bank account. And I'm like, we can't afford that. See, she didn't realize that she was marrying a poor church planner. And her joy in our marriage went out the window in two seconds as well. And it was all fun and games until I was like, listen, we need to take about three quarters of that back. I'm like, if you feel too ashamed, I'll do it. Can't afford it. So much for enjoying the bride of my youth. But I use it as an example because in the midst of all that kind of stuff, and your life looks like that, my life looks like that, everyone's life looks like that, we need to learn how to become worshipers like the Apostle Paul. And really, Paul is forgiven and a worshiper, and you, my friends, have been forgiven and should be worshipers if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Sure, the apostle part, church planter and pastor, that's unique to Paul and certain people. But to get back to our initial point, you need to be who Jesus created you to be, not who you want to be. Paul didn't want to be these things. God made him to be these things, and the apostle Paul finally said yes to it. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. You should have this verse memorized. Great verse, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in him. Now, for we are his workmanship, that word workmanship in the Greek is the Greek word poema, which we get our word poem for. So the idea is, is that for we, each one of us, we are God's work of art. Now, I realize if you study art history, if you enjoy the creative side of humanity, you realize that there's all sorts of styles of art. And each one of us is a unique masterpiece. Some of us, like me and others, we're a little bit more abstract and avant-garde. Maybe not universally appreciated. But we are his work of art. Some of us are more like a, a Rembrandt right? A more classical style. See, each one of us uniquely is God's work of art created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. That's what. That's the second phrase. So whatever the style of art God created you to be, you were created in Jesus, so you be who we're supposed to be in Christ for good works. See, There's certain good works that God wants to spring out of the piece of art that you are. And each one of our good works is specific given God's purposes and plans for our lives. So maybe for me or Pastor Bill or others, we're called to preach the word. That's one set of good works. Not the only, not the best. The best set of good works is being who Jesus created you to be and letting the good works well up within your life given the masterpiece that you are but not only that and this is where being who Jesus created you to be is so important for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works and then the end of Ephesians two ten, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them you see how that's the watershed now, because what this means is before a little spermie and a little egg came together. <laughs> I did say spermie in church. <laughs> Parents, sorry, but that's why we have kids' church. You can have the birds and the bees talk when you get home. Before, however, it happened that spermie that you came together and you landed here, God already prepared works for you to do. That is why it can't be about what you want for your life. It has to be about who did Jesus make me to be and how do I walk in that? Because before you were even you, God prepared works for you to do. God preordained the things he wants to do through your life. So my friends, we need to say, God, why and how and what have you created me for? But I'm here to tell you, Don't do it if you want your life to stay normal the way it is experience it right now. Because when you come to the Lord and say, God, who did you create me to be? How do you want to use my life? What do you have for my life? What you will find is that God will do extraordinary things. We don't realize who we are in Jesus until we are humble enough to ask the question. Don't assume you understand who Jesus made you to be. What if God wants to completely change everything about you? What if the things that you're doing is the things that you want to do, but God is like, no, I've created you for something totally different. When we get our hearts oriented on Jesus is greater than everything, we have to ask those questions. We need to be who Jesus created us to be. We learn all these things about the apostle Paul. Now look what happens in verse six. It says, I marvel that you are turning away Back in Galatians 1, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, if you read all of Paul's letters, what you find is in almost all of his letters after the introduction, there is a time of praise where he praises the church. So If you read Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It was Paul's norm to do the introduction and then praise the church. But you know what he does in Galatia? He doesn't do it. He skips right over the, hey, I'm really proud of you guys. And he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. See, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Apostle Paul doesn't take any time to say, hey, you guys are doing great. He gets right at the heart of the issue because it was important. Now, before we unpack that, let me teach you a principle that I think is going to be really, really important. Don't miss the teaching moment. Don't miss the teaching moment. The churches of Galatia were making mistakes. And those mistakes led a pastor's heart to write a letter to them that they would be challenged and changed. And now, some 2,000 years later, you and I are studying the same letter. See, I've learned that the failures, the hurts, and the mistakes are much greater teachers than the victories. And for many of us, we want to push away... The teaching moment rather than embrace it. Say, God, what are you teaching me? See, our culture says you should never make a mistake. So if you lie, then what do you do? You lie so that no one knows that you're lying. You compound it, you compound it, you compound it, you compound it, and then you're there. But the gospel says that you make mistakes, so you should just own that stuff and embrace the lessons that God wants to teach you. But most of us don't want to be taught, we just want to self justify. We need to embrace the teaching moments. Don't miss the teaching moments.
1: Jesus is real. So many moments in life are teaching times. You can learn from your experiences, good and bad, and from other people involved in your life. Pastor Daniel encouraged you today to embrace them all to not let the hard moments of failure get you down. Instead, he urged you to let Jesus be who you run to in order to get back on track and who you should celebrate with in the victories. Jesus is there for all of it. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that
0: Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at jesusisrealradio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our
1: time of worship and teaching. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio. And Pastor Daniel will remind you that you need to be who Jesus created you to be. You don't get to be who other people say you should be, really. You don't even get to be who you want to be. God has made you in his image with specific talents and gifts that can be fully realized when you let him define them. He's got a great plan for you and it's the best that you can be. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Jesus is greater than everything. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.